Every leader, if you ask them, would say they want the thing that they're leading to grow. Yet so often we can get overwhelmed, we get busy, and we have decisions in front of us that need to be made and we avoid them. Today, we're going to talk about four key decisions that every leader can make that helps the thing they're leading grow. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Echo Leadership Podcast. My name is David, one of your hosts, and here with Andy Wood. And we are all about helping leaders grow on this podcast. And Andy, today we're actually jumping into a conversation about growing what you lead, yeah, which is what leadership's all about. Yeah. And also one of the best ways to grow what you lead is to grow your team. Yeah. And we have something coming up in May of 2022. It's the Echo Leadership Conference. Yes. And we would love for you to join us, those of you who are listeners, to be a part of this uh, and bring your teams out. We want to help your team grow together. It's going to be an amazing conference. Yeah. And you know what's cool about it is we're actually offering a group rate. So if you bring 10 or more people, we've got a special price. And when you sign up at echoleadership.org, that's echoleadership.org, you can sign up for a group for $79 a person. But because you listen to this podcast, we'll give you a special promo code ELP10. That's ELP10. We'll take $10 off each ticket that you buy right there at echoleadership.org. It's going to be awesome. We got Louis Giglio, Grant Skeldon, Andy Wood, Hosanna Wong, Steve Stroop. Steve Stroop. It's going to be an awesome conference focused around helping leaders get and teams get better. Yeah. One of the things that I would say the why behind a conference is, first of all, most leaders at this point need their buckets filled back up. Yeah. And the cohesion of our team grows. And when we do this in an environment where we're together, we sharpen each other. We build new friendships when we're together like this. You know, I love each time that we've come together with other leaders, people share numbers, they get email addresses, mm-hmm. and that forms lifelong friendships that can help you in the midst of the trend, the trenches and really trying to move the vision forward. Yeah. You know, and if you can walk in as a team to something like this and then walk out with that one insight or that breakthrough, it could lead to fruit for years down the road. That's right. Yeah. Which is exactly what we're jumping into today about how to grow what you lead. Yeah. You know, this conversation comes. So when you think about our listeners, we've got business leaders, we have Mm -hmm. gym owners, we have, you know, tech employees, and we have church leaders all listening. And the common thread with everybody is a tribe of people that want to get better as leaders. There are key mindsets in the business world when it comes to growth. Most business leaders are like, yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. It needs to grow. Uh, sometimes in nonprofit world, it can be a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, people think, well, you know, your, your church, should you really care about growth so much? But in reality, growth is a good thing, right? Yes. Like every living thing grows Now, not all growth is good, but growth is good in living things that are, he- it's healthy growth, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a sign of growth. We were talking about this, everything that you see from plants to people over time grows when it's healthy, reproduces, continues to go forward, right? Like that is a part of growth. So why is it you think leaders sometimes get off on their view of growth? Probably the negative voices that we get, you know, whether that negative voice comes from internal, Mm -hmm. sometimes we we believe lies that we shouldn't believe. Uh, Oftentimes they're in the culture, there might be somebody that in the organization has a hard time with difficult decisions, perhaps, they need to change. Uh, change is often a part of that too, mm. because it's painful. 
uh, growth oftentimes is preceded by change and change is preceded with pain. And so uh, the process to get to growth often is a process of pain. Well, wow. so maybe maybe for somebody who's listening right now, they don't realize that maybe it's language right there. It, they're actually limiting their growth mm-hmm. because they're seeing the pain, mm-hmm. the pain of a conversation, the pain of a decision coming up. And that pain or potential of the pain is what's keeping them frozen. Yeah. And can make us avoid the difficult decision that needs to be made. Yeah. So today I know we've been processing a lot about growth and decisions because there's mindsets that come into the way I view growth, but then also how I process decisions, how I think about growth that will dictate the actions that need to go forward to help grow. Yeah. And so we're going to get into some really practical kind of handles on this, but on the mindset side of things, if a leader is not themselves convinced that growth is a good thing, mm-hmm. then it's going to be really hard to have a culture that is focused on growth. That's one of the most important aspects. It might even be good on a piece of paper practically to just write a line down the middle and say, okay, what is good growth? What is bad growth? Mm. And to be able to distinguish, okay, not all good, not all growth is, is good growth. And then also to identify, do, do I truly believe that growth is good? And if I can believe that growth is good, then it will, it will translate into so many key decisions that I make as a leader. Yeah. So maybe even in that, one of the questions to ask is, why do I want it to grow? Mm. Because I think if you get into that heart attitude, if it's nonprofit, even business, like why do I want this growth? There may be some things that really come out if you see inside is like, maybe it's just my own pride. Maybe it's one of these, um, I want more mm-hmm. or whatever that I want to appear successful. And those are what get us into bad growth. Right. Is when we come at it with a wrong heart attitude, mental uh, view of it, and we get ourselves in trouble that way. Yeah, that's really good, David. Yeah, the, the motivation behind it is is so crucial. And then the more clear we become about that, mm-hmm. then it allows us to have more fuel for yeah. the vision. So maybe I think I think a lot of leaders, like when we're talking about growth, a lot of people will come in and say, I want to know how to make it grow quick right now. Mm-hmm. But a lot of leaders don't want to sit with the motivation as to why they want it to grow. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's maybe that's one thing that a leader needs to stop for a moment. Do you have any thoughts on this that you would we would share to encourage? Yeah, somebody? there's a um there's a really good book I just read on some of this uh, by Patrick Lencioni called the Mo- the motive, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all his books are parables. But in the book, he breaks down these two characters, and one is driven by the right motivation, the other's the wrong motivation. And he talks about the the wrong motivation being this guy that, you know, is wanting to constantly grow sales and uh, see that he's really into marketing and mm-hmm. numbers and finance and all that. And then the other leader has a different perspective on growth and he's very focused on the the team and developing his team members. And and the guy who has the right view, he, he puts his own agenda on the side to help the people who are with him grow. Hmm. And then over time, it leads to more growth in the organization, numerical growth, money growth, all that. But he contrasts those two. And so the the wrong motivation oftentimes can get you fast growth immediately, but maybe long term doesn't lead to sustained growth. And so it's good when you break that down to say, okay, if I come at it from the right place, it's going to lead to long sustained growth. You know, what's interesting on this is how your motivation with growth, um, it also impacts you outside of work. Mm -hmm. 
So if you have a uh, poor motivation, it's going to impact your most important relationships, your home, which we just issued yeah, we a, a podcast previous to this uh, called Four Strategies to Win at Home as a Leader, which I want to encourage you to go back and listen to if you have not gotten to do that yet, um, because we think that leadership is not just something I do at work or with a team. It's also in the home. Right. So if I, if I get the wrong growth motivation, it can really mess up my home life. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you sit with this and ask, why do I want this to grow? Yeah, that's great. In fact, this might be a good place if you're listening with a team, yeah. which we would encourage you to do so. And if you subscribe, we'll send you all the show notes. Yes. And uh, those show notes you can take and you can discuss with a team. Uh, this would be a great place to pause it and talk through motivation. Yeah. So go grab the notes at echo.church slash leadership podcast. That's echo.church slash leadership podcast. Drop in your email and we will send those notes to you right now. That's great. Should we get into some of the the choices? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. First one, uh, this is the the hardest decision. And there are times and all for, you know, when I think about all of this, it comes from my faith and what I believe that that the Bible teaches, and in fact, my you know kind of frame of reference for a lot of this is the teachings of Jesus. It, mm-hmm. It'd be surprising how often in the Bible this concept of growth and faithfulness comes up, and God praises people who you know. There's story after story of people who were given a number of talents, the ones that multiplied. Uh, they were praised. The people who took and sat on the talents that they were given, there was a correction for that. So God does. God values growth. Jesus said one time to his disciples, he said, I want you to bear fruit. And when you do bear fruit, this will bring glory to God. So it's like we can we can really believe when we study the life of Jesus that growth is a part of what he wants for our lives, um, that we would multiply what he's given to us and that we would grow in character as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is coming from the teachings of Jesus. But uh, there's one particular story I love. It's a story that Jesus, he was with a group of disciples and he walks past this fig tree that wasn't producing any fruit and he cursed the fig tree. And um, the story goes that he came back and later, you know, the tree had completely withered up. And it was it was not about the fig tree. It was about the illustration of the fig tree, that there are times where things in our lives, there's there are barren fig trees that need to be removed to make space for something else. Hmm. So the first path is there are times where things in our lives need to be killed. And hmm. that sounds really strong, but it's good to be reminded that it's killing a program, not a person, or killing an, an initiative, not you know, not a human being. But there there are times where something needs to be taken out to make space for growth. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I think we've all been in these places in our life where we know there's a barrier. Mm-hmm. How do you go about as a senior leader or how would you encourage other leaders to identify what to kill? Like, how do you start to hone in on exactly what it is? Yeah, there was a um, one little uh, analogy that we have been talking through with our um, in our structure with the campus pastors, mm-hmm. and so we, you know, we have four locations. Each has its own campus pastor, and we we're having a conversation about this. So if we, you know, if you go X Y Z, and on paper you write these three down, and Z is your breakthrough, and Y is the like the last thing that needs to happen before that breakthrough comes. Like it's a step that you know will drive mm-hmm. and move forward on results. Uh, when you think about why, for most leaders, there's an X that comes into mind initially. And you think, well, I can't get to Y because X is in the way. Hmm. Well, whatever X is, X is your problem. 
So X, you know, X could be, you don't have the time, you have too many meetings. X could be, there's a program that's getting all the resources. So you can't give the money to the thing that needs the resources to, to move the vision forward. So I want to say, okay, what, what is the X that stands in the way of us getting to Y? So that XYZ breakdown, I can start to identify some areas of my life or leadership or the organization that is sucking resources that needs to be removed. And what what for identifying X, do you have a like a process, a system? I mean, I don't know if you approach this any typical way, like I'm going to call somebody, I'm going to ask somebody, I'm going to do something. Like, do you have a typical way that you approach to, to really clarify what X is? I have questions that help me. Okay. Uh, what so, are some of those? Yeah. So like one, and for me, I'm, you know, that some people are much more systematic with this kind of stuff. I'm just, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of systems that you could, you could have, but it's much more intuitive for me. Um, one of my key questions is if another leader came in and took my job, what would be the first thing that they remove? You know, what's the first thing they would stop doing immediately? And um, the difficult decision that I have to, you know, that I need to make would be really easy for them to make because they wouldn't have the emotion connected to that decision. Hmm. That that bubbles up a lot in that one question. Yeah, it does. Somebody's writing that down right now. Yeah. That's a great question. What would another leader, if they were given my job, what would be the thing that they would immediately stop doing in the organization? Hmm. Um, I, I also like to ask a question like in my, in terms of my own habits, you know, like what are habits personally that are standing in the way of, of me doing what needs to be done? Um, and I can identify those habits, the, those two. So I like to think it personally and organizationally, both of them help me. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's a great step for leaders on identifying what it is that you need to kill. But I think sometimes leaders can even identify that, but there is a courage that's required to actually pull the trigger mm-hmm. and remove it. Yeah. What, what is the barrier for a lot of leaders and how would you encourage them and overcoming it. I mean, what have you done personally? Yeah, the so this is where the motivation aspect comes back into play. And mm-hmm. actually, in the book, the the motive, uh, Patrick Lencioni talks a little bit about this. That if I'm not doing it for the right reasons, like if if my comfort is the reason that I'm doing this job, then I'm going to avoid the uncomfortable situations that I have to get into as mm-hmm. a leader. So the motive or the reason why we make the difficult decision does need to be placed in front of the decision. I remember one time we talked about this in our directional meeting. I remember one time there was a very difficult staffing decision that needed to be made. This was probably, you know, almost a decade ago. And I was, um, I was talking to a mentor and he said, if, if you can't make this decision, you shouldn't be leading the church. You know, Mm -hmm. this is the difference between your church being able to impact and connect with and reach, you know, 1500 versus 15,000 people. And I walked away from that conversation knowing I got to make that decision. So when it was framed that way, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this is the hard decision that I have to make as a leader. And then the other aspect of that becomes, uh, one, knowing how to make the decision in a way that is kind, gracious, mm-hmm. patient, loving. And I have to separate out in my mind. One is what is the right decision? The other is what's the right implementation of the decision. And that's another conversation with a mentor that I had that, you know, he was saying, if you, if you mix the, 
decision with implementation, you get confused because you're like, there's so much complexity, there's so much emotion, but it's like, okay, what's the right decision first? Then what's the right implementation of that decision? Mm -hmm. I really like that because what happens when you remove the implementation is that also helps remove a lot of the emotion. Yeah. Because usually the implementation is what you are perceiving as like, this is where the pain is. Mm -hmm. It's the conversations, it's the fallout, it's the emails, I'm going to get over this thing versus what's right or wrong, decide that, get a resolve and a conviction, and then you'll push through everything else. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing that's super helpful, I know we're doubling down on this one, but there's I a think, lot here. But I think that this is really, out of what we're going to talk about, this is one of the hardest emotional yeah, this is, the, this is a place where this, most leaders get this stuck. This is where leaders are stuck. And if you can get if you can get past or through, maybe not past, but through yeah. this one, then the other three are a lot easier. Um, the I like having a deadline. So I like to say, okay, what when does this decision need to be made by? Mm-hmm. And then I, I like to ask the question, what information do I need in order to make this decision? And that kind of helps process the decision mm-hmm. um, to say, okay, by this point, I need to make this decision. The other, um, the other thing that is really helpful, and this is an, this is a new tactic uh, that I was having a conversation, it's called the Z method. And I, I may botch it a little bit, so we'll put it in the notes. But if you think of the Z method from the Myers-Briggs, so you remember that the Myers-Briggs, there's the, there's the extrovert, introvert, there's the intuitive and sensing, thinking, mm-hmm. feeling, perceiving judging so take the extrovert introvert off the table okay and then you put the s and the z the 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 s and the n so sensing is data Mm -hmm. n is intuition so you draw a line you say first sensing then to data or or first first data then to intuition so you get all what's all the data that needs to be made what's the all the intuition you know what what's it feel how do i feel about it What, Mm -hmm. what what am i sensing internally um and then you you come down and you go into the the thinking feeling. So you you start to think through it logically, strategically. How mm. would we implement it? Feeling as we implement it, what are the emotions that we need to be considering? And then you come down and you go, you know, perceiving, judging. Perceiving would say, okay, what's all the things that we need to really think through before we finalize the decision? And then judging is the J where you come to, okay, let's logically work through a progression of implementation. And that Z method, I'm sure you could Google Z method and there's a lot there. And that is also a really good way to kind of process through this. Yeah, because it gives a framework to actually write down thoughts, think through things um, and begin to know how to process. And I think sometimes what we need is a process like that to remove the emotion Mm -hmm. from the decision so that we can come into it. So maybe um, for leaders right now is a great opportunity to sit for a moment in this and ask, what is it that we need to kill? Maybe mm-hmm. even as a team to have discussions, what are the three things that are holding us back from, like you said, from Y or from Z? Like, So what's our X? And begin to talk about those things and ask, what, why is it we're not changing it? And start figuring out a plan to kill it. Yeah. A couple other mindsets on this is it's not it's not loving to keep a person in a position that is not designed for the way that God made them. Um, and then to think about the fact that, you know, if if I'm looking at this decision, but I'm avoiding it because of the personal cost, then th- that's a really big red flag as a leader. Like yeah. A lot of leaders avoid because the personal cost of a difficult decision. 
And if if that's really what somebody wants, they probably should find a job where they're not a leader. I don't know what else to say after that one. That's like the mic drop right there. Spoken man. like an Enneagram eight right there. <laughs> Keeping it real on the Echo Leadership Podcast right here. All right. So the second one that we want to get into, second decision, is similar mm-hmm. but a little bit different, and that's that's to prune. Yes. Yes. So can you unpack what you mean by the decision to prune, and how is that different from kill? Yeah. You know, I think about this from a standpoint of, okay, there may be some things that I'm doing, but I need to do them differently. So that's mm. the big, that's the big, like, framework. What, what am I already doing, but with maybe a little bit more intentionality mm-hmm. or a little bit more discipline, I could be 10x more effective. So I think about, okay, you know, I, w- I work X hours a week. Um, and a great example of this would be deep work. You know, every leader wants to do deep work. They say they d- deep work drives the needle, moves it forward. If I if I look at my deep work, which I'm trying to do about 10 hours a week, and I say, okay, how can I how can I be most effective in that 10 hours a week? So practically speaking, for me personally, I do a ton of content. And if I'm not careful, content can hit me like wave after wave after wave. And I look at my calendar and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have another, another teaching, another training, another podcast, and then and then I I'm behind the curve. So I started doing this thing where I every week in my calendar I have a bar at the top with Google Calendar. And it's all the content I need to get to this week. And that that strategy, I'm like trying to stay ahead of the curve. So I'm a few weeks out. By the time I get to the week, it's it's been in the pot a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And that's a way of me saying, okay, I'm already doing this time, but how can I leverage this time for greater effectiveness? So it's it's pruning. It's and that might mean I have to push some things out. Another little habit for me that I'm working on starting and finishing on time with meetings. So it, I've noticed like if I start a meeting on time, I finish it on time and I give myself a wedge between the two that I can write down actions that need to be taken, debrief, you know, walk out and talk with my assistant and say, okay, here are a few things that we're going to do after this. Then I'm much more effective. But if I'm like bleeding into the next meeting with no margin, no, no, no space, then I'm actually having meetings where I'm not following up on the meeting and then have to have the same meeting a second time and I'm not getting better. So it's like, actually looking at what I do through the framework, like, like an athlete would look at mm-hmm. it and say, how can I prune my investment to make what I do go further? So are you looking at it a lot that these changes, these prunings are what's going to let you focus more on what leads to growth for the organization? Cause you feel like you're becoming more efficient. You're becoming more focused and when you do that as a senior leader and you get yourself honed in, mm-hmm. that'll lead to the growth. Yeah. And I want to ask you a question on this. You mentioned the deep work. So in our topic of growth, because if you're if a leader is saying, Okay, what do I what do I prune and remove to get more focused on how to use my time mm-hmm. greatest for growth? What what do you think is deep, the right deep work for a leader of an organization? Yeah, we, we talked, what was it, like three or four months ago, we talked about this uh, this book called um, Stupid, uh, The Road Less Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he actually gives, um, he gives this concept called thinking time. Mm-hmm. And in thinking time, he says, you sit down with a yellow legal pad of paper and have a few questions that you're going to ask on top of it, on top of the paper. So I, like I would, I'd take an area 
where you could really focus on that area and say, okay, if I have, let's say I'm running, you know, a gym that has 50 people and I wanted to go to a hundred people in the gym. And I would say, what, what are 50 things that I could do that would drive the needle from 50 to a hundred? Mm-hmm. And I might just process and then I go, okay, well within that, here's, you know, here's three or four things that have to happen. Here are some barriers that are in the way. So it's like thinking strategically of what is the, what it, what are the actions that are going to move forward? So there's that clarity on what is the goal. So I want to, you know, we for lack of better words, I want to work on what is what is moving it forward. Work on it, not in it, mm-hmm. and get out of the tyranny of the of the urgent to start to put pieces into play that will move it forward. Three, six, nine, twelve months later, another another um, little tool that I've used before is these four windows, and I'll put like three three months in one corner or one box, six months and another a year, two years. And I'll say, okay, in each of these boxes, what, what will move the vision forward mm-hmm. and then try to, you know, write into those boxes. You can do that in a team or you can do that personally, but deep work is really, it's window time to look into the future to say, this is what moves the vision forward. What impact does that deep work have for you on looking at the organization and knowing what to prune? It changes your perspective for sure. It changes the investment of your time. Uh, it helps you see things that maybe are not quite as fruitful. Uh, and it just changes the way that you you function as a leader. So you're less caught in the tyranny of the urgent. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do most of the leaders that you know or mentors, uh, about how average, do you know about how many hours they might spend in what they would call deep work? Mm, or thinking uh, time, like you're saying? Yeah, I would think they're probably a fourth of the time, you know, 10, 10 okay. to 12 hours a week seems like a, a reasonable amount that most most leaders I know. Some people are more introverted and prefer more time. Uh, but I, I don't know if you're like if you're a recluse and you're always like <laughs> by yourself, it's I think it's kind of unless you're like a writer, you know, but if yeah. you're leading an organization and leading a team, you you got to have time with people. Right. Yep. So. Um, I would say maybe a fourth of the time is a good kind of measurement. That's good. So let's talk about with this topic of this decision of what to prune. Mm-hmm. When you, you've talked some about personally, which gets into the deep work, which helps you see more clearly where you're going. So how do you uh, start to determine what to prune within the organization? Or how do you lead teams in that way mm-hmm. to know and start actually a pruning process? Yeah. One question might be, where are we duplicating efforts? So mm-hmm. we're, we're the places where we're, we're doing things and we're, we're doing it multiple times and we only need to be doing it one time. Where, where are we having conversations that need to be one conversation and not four? Um, I, I love the one thing, one tool that we use is this thing called RACI, R-A-C-I. Mm-hmm. And that's also another tool you could find on online, but it's, we actually may have done a podcast or talked about this in another podcast, but it's, breaking down when a job needs to get done, who's responsible, who's accountable, who needs to be consulted, who needs to be informed, and clarifying in terms of communication. Um, I also would would be a little bit more um, clear in terms of meetings, like who's running the meeting? What's, mm-hmm. that, you know, what's the agenda for the meeting? What's the purpose of the meeting? What are the actions that are coming at? Like sharpening, you know, meetings are really the, pra- like if you look at an athletic team, 
mm-hmm. how athletic teams are that the efficiency of a practice really does play into the efficient efficiency of the team and effectiveness of the team meetings are like that for an organization so you know cleaning up what we do with our meetings is another place to really get leverage um, and then to maybe ask the the question in terms of responsibility to say you know where where are the places where we're doing too much mm-hmm and so we're not getting to the things that need to be done. So where could we pause? Like some things that we're, we, we need to be eliminated completely, but it's harder with pruning because you're like, well, with, with pruning, you're like, I, I know I don't, it's a good thing. I don't really need to kill it, but maybe you need to pause it. Yeah. And so the, there, there might be some things that we're doing that we need to say, okay, this is a really good thing, but it needs to be paused to make space now for this thing that is important right now. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: As you know, as organizations when they start, okay, mm-hmm. when an organization starts, whatever business, church, nonprofit it may be, everything is about growth in the beginning. Because right. you're like, we, if we don't grow, we we go home. Mm-hmm. So everything's about growth in the beginning. But at a certain point on the bell curve, we start to get more internal focus. We start to get more procedure organiz- organizationally yeah, focused all the energy in goes yeah to try to keep the, the thing yeah growing. so i i think with a lot of leaders maybe maybe in a spot like this where they're saying i feel stuck i feel burdened like how do they begin to know and how do they lead their team to prune to refocus back on growth like they did in the early days yeah the the bell curve is really helpful with that because you can look at a bell curve and say okay here you know here's where we are in the bell curve yeah. And here's our future if we don't make a change. <laughs> yeah. We're, it's going to be a fun ride. That's a fun team meeting right yeah. there, isn't it? Uh, so the so the question trying to discern is like, how do you how do you integrate that in the conversation? Yeah, how I mean, I think on the the pruning, right? I mean, if we if we get too focused on the operations mm-hmm. of maintaining what we've built, then we've we've taken our eyes off of continued growth. Right. So there's some pruning that has to happen. Maybe it's in our meetings, our goals, our focus, our language, or maybe it's even identifying mindsets in the team. Like we're not thinking about expansion. We're not thinking about sales. We're not thinking about um, reaching more people if it's a church, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. So it's pruning the focus to refocus us back on what's most important. Yeah. One one thought is that I have to hold what we do loosely, mm-hmm. uh, so cling to the mission, but hold what hold the way the mission is accomplished loosely, mm-hmm. and that sometimes my my or our identity as leaders can get too closely connected to the thing that we do, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to separate ourselves from what we're doing to get better for the sake of the mission. So if I can if I can build that into the culture. I also think like organizational life cycle uh, language around this is super helpful. We, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about the book Predictable Success, and Les McEwen writes about that. Um, another guy, Adizes, is his name, and uh, he writes about corporate life cycles. So if I'm if I can integrate that that concept in ter- in terms of how we think, it allows us to really begin to have mindset and language around the decisions that we're making. So we're not just looking at this like, you know, ethereal concept and we're whacking trying to like, you know, yeah. prune stuff. It's like, no, here's where we are. Here here's the future if we don't change. Here's the future if we do change. And it just gives a frame of reference. 
Yeah. So we've spent a little bit more time on these first two because I think kill and prune when it when we start to cut things mm-hmm. that hurts the most. Yeah. It's the hardest decisions for a leader. So maybe as a team, it's a great time to go back and look at these two and say, what what do we need to kill? And maybe it's like we don't need to kill it all the way, but we need to prune it. We need mm-hmm. to refocus it, mm-hmm. get it back to the health that it needs to be. And I think that's a great discussion to go, what decisions do we need to make so that we can we can move forward and yeah. begin to grow? Yep. So we have two more that are more on the, if you will, positive side, right. the decisions. So let's hit, you ready to jump into those? Yeah, let's hit those. Right. So the, uh, the third one is to cultivate. And cultivate basically is to increase the investment of what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, double down on some things that maybe are already working. A, a good, really practical aspect of this would be if you have team members on your team, how do you more intentionally pour into those team members? How do you invest in them in a way that increases the speed at which they grow? Mm-hmm bring them to the echo leadership conference. <laughs> there it is. That, which would really help at yeah. echoleadership.org. So, um, we want to cultivate. And I think that's asking, like you said, man, if my, if my team or this person is just crushing it, how do I build them more? Yeah. And how do I, how do I get into what's working? So when you look across the organization, um, what are you trying to look at for you to spot maybe like a, a hidden gem almost of growth, if you will. You're like, wow, we need to cultivate that. Yeah. Well, I would say that you're doing this really well with um, the way that you're investing in the different teams that you lead. Maybe you should talk about that. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> to I flip think, it on you. Honestly, I think some of it comes out of necessity where you're like, I can't, I will be the bottleneck if I don't cultivate. Mm-hmm. And part so of it is- So you oversee- four or five different teams of people that are almost like big departments in the organization. Mm -hmm. And you're taking those teams or the leader of those teams and you're really intentionally developing them, debriefing meetings, coaching them. Yeah. I think, you know, to practice some of this, I think even recently for me has been really pruning, Mm -hmm. right? How do I get myself refocused? So when I know very clearly what are my, responsibilities where are we trying to go as an organization and am i actually thinking in the right way and when i am i'm very much more focused on the growth of those that i'm leading Mm because i know that leads to the growth of the organization some of this is um uh, michael fletcher wrote a great book called empowering leadership he's on our board by the way he is he's an amazing it's an amazing church great leader great book highly recommend it but he talks about the upward draft Mm -hmm. that when i elevate my own leadership it helps pull people up and when other leaders go up it it creates like a vacuum down below that is pulling people up so i think as a leader when you start to think about cultivating is if i understand i've got to go up it's going to make me cultivate and develop those behind me because i know i need them to come up so i can go up Mm -hmm. so i think it it begins to look like hey man i i saw this skill that you really did this is something we need Let's get you more resources, information. Let's talk about it. And when you see somebody do something, just say, hey, I I see a ton of potential in you. And every environment I get to watch you in, I just want you to know I want to give you feedback, not as a way to be critical, but because I, I think that you can go so much higher. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you everything I got mm-hmm. to help you grow and go there. 
Yeah, and the people that you're working with know that you're doing it out of uh, out of a desire to I hope help them <laughs> help them get better, and I, you're yeah. you're affirming what they're doing well. You're you're having tough conversations about the things that need to be different, and that's all. It's almost like a, a good way to think about this is thinking of it like fertilizer. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you've got something that you're leading, how do you how would you pour fertilizer into the thing that you're leading to help it grow? more rapidly and this is actually from a story in the bible um that jesus he gives this illustration of a of a gardener whose tree's not you know growing and and then the owner of the tree comes and says let's chop it down and the gardener negotiates and says give me one more year i'll fertilize it come back and jesus doesn't give the conclusion of the story but it is a it's a great illustration of like okay sometimes there are things that are not fruitful but if you cultivate them and double down, mm-hmm. or maybe they, they could be more fruitful by doubling down on your investment. Uh, you know, and even just having the discernment to say, okay, there, there are people who maybe nobody's ever invested in them. Nobody's mm-hmm. ever poured into them, but I could be the person that taps a shoulder. I could be the person that comes alongside them. And like you said, they go, they soar higher because of my investment. And that's, that's a cultivation. Personally, this is like, me being much more intentional on the development side with the people I work with that mm-hmm. I'm in rooms with. So mm-hmm. it's not just we're getting crap done together, but it's like I'm I'm helping the people in on the team grow as leaders. If I see something like you say, talk about it, yeah. affirm them where they're winning. And this is huge. So cultivation. Yeah. I mean, grow grow your team or move them. Yeah. But don't move them out of frustration when you didn't grow help grow help them grow. Yeah, I think that that's a that's an important part. Let me give this quote that I love this quote from Craig Rochelle. It says, we don't find great leaders. We build them yeah. and we empower them and let them lead. That frame of reference does actually instead of saying, OK, I'm going to go out and just find a solution, find somebody who can lead this. I, I'm going to develop the person that can lead this. It's a cultivation mindset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that matters for your culture around growth because they're they're going to be culture bearers for you mm-hmm. and they're going to be focused on your mission, whatever that is. So what can you cultivate? Yes. And then now we got one more decision. Yeah, the last one is to sow. And in in all honesty, you know, when you think of sow, this is kind of the thing that immediately would come to mind when you think of growth. You know, like so a salesperson when they make calls, they're and you're sowing. talking of, you're not talking about sewing like a needle and thread. Yeah, yes. Just to be clear. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, that's good. Make that <laughs> we're, distinction. We're S-O-W, gonna help sewing so closed. Yeah. I'm kidding. Investing sowing seeds. Yes. So you're you're sowing seeds into whatever it is that you know you would like to see grow. And again, this is another illustration that Jesus uses. And he I love this story. He he talks about the the he says the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't understand how it happens. The earth produces a crop, first a leaf, leaf blade, he says. Then heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. So he he gives this illustration to say, you know, there, sometimes things grow like you sow seeds, and then they grow. Mm-hmm. And this, th- really practically speaking, this is like marketing a product. This is you know getting the word out about of an event, an event that you're having. This is the the tangible aspects of seeing something grow. You know, it's funny we 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 talked about this with like our campus pastors, how sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with all the things that we've got going on and we forget to realize like actually I could by sending 30 texts I could I could probably get another 15 people to show up mm-hmm. to church on Sunday at the campus that I lead 
and I'm I, my fingers as I'm texting are helping it grow. Yeah, it's it's like when when you throw seed out, you can't control what grows and what doesn't. Right. But you can get as much out as you can possibly. So when you send the text messages, when you do mailers, when you do Facebook ads, when you do events, when you do all these things, I had somebody come recently to one of our um, campuses and they said, oh, I saw you, I follow you guys on Eventbrite and I saw you post an event. And I was like, well, I'm really glad that we did that Yeah, because it, it did. It brought somebody in because we sent, we tried to send it out as wide as we could to get the word out. Yeah. No, I think the key on this is sowing more seed. So how do mm-hmm. we sow, how do we sow more seed to produce more fruit. What's the barrier in thinking or the barrier that often keeps people from sowing more seed for the, growth? The ROI oftentimes on seed sowing is really low. You know, you think about like, uh, take the mailer example. Like I remember one time we we were having a conversation. So we, we've done mailers. I have no like qualms against it as a pastor. I'm like, if it gets people to come to church, let's do it. Yeah. And I remember one time I was having a conversation with another guy that was starting a church and uh, I was like, well, have you done any mailers? And he's like, well, they didn't work. And I said, well, how many did you do? And he said, 5,000. I'm like, well, that's why they didn't work. You know, you have to, you have to do like 50,000 to get uh, 150 people to respond to it. Mm -hmm. So the, I think that that's, it can feel like a waste, but if you see it as like a, well, percentage wise that, that didn't work, but if you take the hundred and hundred and fifty people that come, and then if they get engaged, and they yeah. start serving and they participate, then your return on investment is huge. So you can't look at all the seeds that didn't go into the ground. You have to look at what came up out of the ground. Which I think that's a great point right there is to ask how many touches. Yeah, am I getting? Because the same way, if I want to fundraise, if I want to sell, or if I yeah, want how many to calls you need to make? Come, yeah, I mean, like, I mean. You know, that, and that's the great thing. You you were actually, didn't you do like telemarketing at one point? For a very, for a for very, very short time. Yes, yes. Before you, yeah. Um, I just had that thought right there. But you know, like in telemarketing or anything, they know like you got to get this many calls per hour uh-huh. to get this many sales. And everything is like that. And a lot of times we come in and if we're not doing early, like we said, the deep work or thinking, we're not setting right goals that help lead us towards the the impact that we want to have yeah and there i mean this sounds really like not spiritual to say this but with telemarketing there was math on how many calls how many no's per yes oh you're like every no is is closer to one more yes yeah and if if i don't if i don't believe that at the end of all the no's is one yes then i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna keep persisting in it yeah so don't take the no's personal yeah, Just maybe that's moving. for a single dude out there. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of no's. Yeah. So all you need is one yes. Yeah, that's all you need. Just make so, sure it's the right yes. So I think a great step here is to ask in these these second two decisions mm-hmm. as a team or as a leader, maybe who is it or what is it you need to cultivate in your organization? And then what are you, what is your current process for sowing? seeds marketing whatever it is mm-hmm. to invitation for grow. churches it's invitation invitations phone calls fundraising meetings whatever it is towards your goal how many am i doing knowing that there's a lower percentage they'll turn yes so what are we doing and how many touches are we getting yeah and what you you know what happens is this goes for full circle right because mm-hmm. if you look at sewing what might come up is like okay if i'm if i'm inviting people to buy a product 
do I believe that that product is worth selling? Or do mm. I believe that if somebody comes to the thing I've built or the church that we lead, that they'll be impacted and their life will be changed? If I don't, then I got to go back to the the kill prune conversation again yeah. to say, okay, what needs to happen for us to get to a place where we can sow more seeds? Yeah. So, hey, everybody, make sure you take time to process this and get down your next steps as a leader and as a team. Again, you can go to echo.church slash leadership podcast, and you can drop in your email right there. We'll send you the notes that go along with this episode. That way you can really process this together, and then we'll make sure that you are notified on every future release right here at the Echo Leadership Podcast. Okay, that's good. Let me say one more, one yeah, more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you, we keep getting longer winded in <laughs> the last couple episodes. So it, for the first five people that have made it all the way through the episode to this point that email me at awood at echo.church, awood at echo.church, I'm going to send you a copy of that book, The Motive. All right. That's a great reason to always listen all the way through on the Echo Leadership Podcast. Hey, we love our Echo Leadership listeners, and we're so glad you're here. We look forward to seeing you at the Echo Leadership Conference and on any future releases. So thank you so much for liking, sharing, and subscribing. We love having you here, and we look forward to seeing and hearing how you grow as a leader.